Thank you, Jody, for leading us in worship uh, this morning. Let's give him another round of applause for being here. Thank you so much. Jody, when you sing, that's what I think I sound like when I sing in the car. But it's not. But uh, anyways, thank you. Um, well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out and go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17, as we are continuing our series um, called Lord, I Want to Know You, we're looking at the names of God. Now, as you are turning there, uh, I want to share something with you that I did not mention in the welcome because I forgot to do it. But just want to let you know, you're invited to the Churchwide Picnic July 16th on Blythe Island. All right, uh, small groups, you've been receiving a lot of information about that. You're providing food, but uh, if you're not part of a small group, you're still invited to July 16th uh, Churchwide Picnic at Blythe Island from 5 to 7, 7.30ish. We're also having baptisms that day, so if you want to be baptized, please let us know. Uh, we would love to take care of that uh, for you and uh, just so that God will be glorified in all of those things. But anyways, just want to let you know that. Now I feel better, man, I made that announcement. Well, anyways, Exodus chapter 17 is where we are today as we're going on the names of God. And um, our idea or our uh, theme for this series is this, everybody has a God. Say that with me. Everybody has a God. Uh, but the question, or there's two questions that comes with that idea. If everybody has a God, well, who is he and what is he like? Today, I want us to look at the name Jehovah Nisi, which simply means God is my banner. Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. How many of you remember churches or you grew up in a church uh, where you remember seeing banners hung on the wall at your church? Anybody in here remember that, see that? A couple of you. Some of you do. Some of you may be Pentecostals and uh, your hand, both your hands are up because you remember that. But yeah, I remember my church, um, we had banners hanging on uh, the wall and, and oftentimes churches will have this and the banner will say something like this, Jesus is Lord or a king of kings or prince of uh, peace. Uh, but I know that there are a couple things about banners that we need to understand as we look at Jehovah Nisi. Uh, when it comes to banners, number one, banners are often hung or waved uh, to declare commitment, allegiance, and victory. That's usually what banners um, declare. It shows whom you represent or what you are committed to. Um, in the Olympic Games at the opening ceremonies, anybody ever watch those? I mean, that's a fun moment. Why? Because each country selects an athlete to carry what? The flag. Because they are representing their country in the Olympic Games. That's a type of banner. Um, if you go to a sporting event, um, was, the fans are going to wave some type of banner saying they are for this team. Um, in our front yard, my wife and I, we have two banners in our front yard. One of them is for the Fighting Aggies of Texas A&M. It's a little video banner about that tall. And you know what the other one is, right? My beloved Texas Tech Red Raiders, it's a big banner. Not really, they're both the same size, but mine's much prettier than the Aggies banner. But 
but it shows you who you're allegiant to. This is, this is who you cheer for. This is, uh, you are devoted to this. That's one thing we need to know about banners. But the second thing that we need to understand about banners is this, is that historically, we can even say in scripture, but historically, banners are often displayed during a battle. Banners are often displayed during battles. And on this day, July 2nd, 1776, our country declared its independence from England. Now we celebrate that on July 4th, but it really happened on July 2nd. And on that day, a new flag was placed in our colonies, a flag that was made by, uh, by historians said by Betsy Ross, eventually called what? The Stars and... And when that flag was placed in our colonies, our colonies became the United States of America, and it declared that we have a new boss, and it's not England. But as we celebrate our freedom this week, we, we, we must remember the people who fought in the Revolutionary War because, because freedom, you have to fight for freedom. And there had to be battles. And when it comes to the name Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi, we come to know that name of God, we come to know Jehovah Nisi through our battles. All of us have been in a battle. Can I get an amen on that? You've heard the statement before that you're either, or something like that, you're either in a battle, you're coming out of a battle, or you're about to enter into a battle. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a story between a, a pastor and a church member. pastor preached a sermon, and he was standing at the back door, and this, this church member walked by him, and the pastor shook his hand, and he said to him, the pastor said, you need to be in the army of the Lord. And the man said, well, pastor, I'm already in the army of the Lord. And the pastor said this, well, how come I don't, ex I don't see you except on Christmas and Easter? It's a pretty brave pastor to say that. Well, that man was pretty quick on his feet when he said this, because I'm in the secret service. <laughs> well, folks, it's no secret that if you are in the army of the Lord, you're going to face some battles. And it's in the battles that we learn God's name where he reveals himself to us as Jehovah Nisi. Well, let's look at Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 16, and let's learn a thing or two about attaining victory over our enemy as we go through battles. I want you to write this down. Write this down in your notes. Life brings battles. There's things that happen in our life um, that we run into that seek to discourage us, to, to defeat us, to destroy us, to depress us, things that, that want to ruin us. And in Exodus chapter 17, we find the people of God discouraged, they're depressed, and they're a little defeated. Now, how do we know that the people of God here in Exodus 17, how do we know that they're discouraged, they're depressed, and they're defeated? We know they are that way because they're complaining. In verses 1 through 7, the Israelite people are complaining. They're complaining about Moses' leadership. They've said to Moses, why have you brought us out to the desert to die? You did this to us. 
They're complaining about there's not enough water. And then they're complaining about God saying, God, you're not even with us. Now, let's, let's take a step back from this complaining and from Exodus chapter 17. We must remember that this complaining and the story we're about to read in just a second, this has taken place a mere two to three months after God miraculously delivered them from Egypt, from slavery, through the Red Sea on dry ground. 30 to 45 to 60 days after being delivered, the people of God are already depressed, they're already discouraged, they are already feeling defeated, and now, in verse number eight, they've got a battle on their hands. Now folks, is it possible is it possible for God to save you from something, radically save you from something, but yet you still have to go to battle? Absolutely. This is a story of life. Well, look at verse number eight. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel. Well, first of all, let's find out who Amalek is. Who is Amalek? Who are the Amalekites? How many of you remember the names Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? You all remember those names? They're the fathers of our faith. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, these are the names of the men that, that God revealed himself to as El Shaddai, God Almighty. And it's God who said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, I'm going to make my covenant with you, and I'm going to make you a people of God. Well, you remember the story of Jacob. Jacob had a twin brother. What was Jacob's brother's name? Everybody say Esau. He's so smart. Esau was actually the firstborn of, of the two. Um, Isaac had those two sons, Jacob and Esau. Esau is the firstborn. And so Esau had everything in front of him. He had the family heritage waiting for him. But Esau did something. If you remember this story, he gave up his birthright for what? A cup of bean soup. He gave up his birthright for everything, for that for bean soup, and he gave it, he gave it to Jacob. And here's what we know about Esau, what we learned about him is this that Esau, he wanted the now more than he wanted the later, more than he wanted the eternal. Does that sound a lot like us sometimes when it comes to sin? We want the now instead of the later. Well, that's that's Esau. Well, you trace on Esau's life, and we see that Jacob and Esau, uh, they fought against each other. Esau had a son named Eliphaz, and Eliphaz had a son named Amalek. Amalek is the grandson of Esau, which means he's Isaac's great-grandson, which means he's Abraham's great-great-grandson. And so the Amalekites are the long-lost relatives of Israel. And just as Jacob and Esau fought against one another, the grandkids are fighting too. Is it possible that some of our greatest problems actually come from our own family members? You want to point to them right now? I mean, it's, it's quite possible that our own family causes the own problems, but, but what's interesting about Amalek and the Amalekites is this, really a couple things, is that scholars will teach us this, that the Amalekites, they are the first enemy of Israel. I mean, we're talking 30 days after Israel has been delivered from Egypt, they've gone through the Red Sea, 30 to 45 days, all of a sudden their long-lost relatives have come after them. They are now Israel's number one enemy. Now here's what's interesting about the Amalekites and how the, the enemies of Israel, how they treated him. The Amalekites, according to Deuteronomy, 
They came after the Israelites on the rear. They attacked from the rear, and they took out those who were lagging behind, who were old and who were young. They went after them, and they just pick them off. And this made God angry. And for years, Israel had to wrestle against the Amalekites. They were the first and the constant enemy of Israel. Now let's think about this for just a second. Scholars will go on to say that, that Amalek will actually represents our sin nature, our flesh. And I happen to agree with that. Because what's it like whenever you become a believer and you step across the line of faith and you are saved, who then is the very first enemy that you have to wrestle against? Yourself, the flesh. And your flesh, my flesh, your flesh, it is our number one first and constant enemy. And Paul later says in Galatians chapter 5, he says this. He says, the flesh sets itself against the spirit. The spirit sets itself against the flesh because they stand in opposition of one another. And what the, what the, what the word tells us then is that we must be in battle against our flesh. Meaning when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you have signed up to go to battle. And you are battling your flesh, which means this. When you become a believer in Jesus Christ, there's things that you can't do anymore. There's things you can't do anymore. Why? Because you've been called to a higher standard. But boy, your flesh wants to do those things. But you can't do those anymore. And so as believers in Christ, we are called to constantly put to death the flesh. There are things that just can't be tolerated in our life, and we have to go to battle. Well, how do we do that? Because that's hard. How do we do that? Well, let's look at the rest of our story. Verse number 9. Y'all with me this morning? Say amen. amen. Verse 9. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur, they went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he had let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. Now here's what's interesting when we come to battles in our own life. When you're in a battle, sometimes you feel like you're winning and sometimes you feel like you're losing. Amen? But it's in those battles where we're going to learn the name of Jehovah Nisi. What's what God does to Moses, to Joshua, and to the Israelites, and how we can apply this to our lives. So let's just relook at this story. So Moses, uh, there's a battle. Moses tells Joshua, he says, Joshua, you go down into the valley to fight. You go down there and you fight against the Amalekites. But I and Aaron and her will go up on top of the mountain and we will uh, go up there with the staff of God. Now, what do you know about the staff that Moses is holding on to? That's not a normal staff, is it? This staff has been sanctified. This is the staff. If you remember, God told Moses early on in, um, when he was to deliver the Israelites from Egypt, God told Moses to pick up a staff and throw it onto the ground. What happened to that staff? Turned into a snake, and it actually ate, ate up uh, Pharaoh's uh, staff. So that staff 
had turned into a stake. That same staff had declared and brought down the plagues upon Egypt. That same staff, it opened up the Red Sea. And so that staff, God, through that staff in Moses' hand, used the natural to perform the supernatural. This was not just a normal staff. Now notice what the text says. What does Moses do with that staff? He does a couple things, right? Number one, he does what? He holds the staff up. What happens when Moses holds the staff up? Israel wins. But when he begins to lower the staff, what happens? Israel loses. It says the Amalekites, they begin to prevail. Now watch this. What does that mean? That's got to be a picture of something. If Moses is on high, if he's up there holding up the staff, and they win, but if he lowers it and they lose, it's got to tell us something about the fight in the valley. What it tells us is this, is that the battle in the valley wasn't decided by those who were fighting. It tells us that the winners and losers in the valley weren't determined by their own skill or by their own power. How the armies failed, fared in the valley, it wasn't tied to how good they were, how strong they were. The victory or the defeat was tied to what Moses did upon that mountain. It was tied to what took place up on the mountaintop. And here's what I know when it comes to valleys, excuse me, when it comes to battles. I've seen this, I've experienced it, walked through it. There's two things that can happen in life when you go through a battle, when you go through a difficult time, and people respond in one of two extreme ways. Number one, some people will go to the extreme and they will say something like this, I will only fight from the mountain, saying, God will take care of it, I have no responsibility in it. And they just leave it up to God. And then you, but they won't do anything in the valley. The other extreme is you have some people that will go straight into the valley and they will fight, 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 scratch, claw, and do everything they can, but they will dare not get back up onto the mountain. You see those two extremes? You know what I'm talking about? And let me tell you, both extremes are not correct. Because here's the reality. Only when we bring the valley and the mountain together will you ever experience victory in your life. You've got to go down into the valley to fight, but at the same time, you've got to be up on the mountain to be praying or lifting up the staff of God. It takes both of those. And this is what we see in this story. We see that Joshua is fighting. Moses is praying. He's lifting up his hands and saying, God, you've got to do this. It takes both. When you're in a battle, listen, you have to go down into the valley to fight. But at the same time, you've got to get back up onto mountain and you've got to enter into the spiritual realm. Listen, here's the reality, and I've been saying this for quite a while recently, but, but there's two realms in our world. You have the physical and you have the spiritual. And let me tell you this, what takes place in the physical, it can be directed what takes place in the spiritual. And when you and I enter into the spiritual up on top of the mountain and we lift up our hands to the Heavenly Father and we communicate with Him, there are things that can take place on the physical realm by what we're praying in the spiritual. But many times we get so focused on the physical that we're not even in the spiritual realm. You see, Scripture says to us as believers in Jesus Christ um, that we are in the heavenlies, that we are seated at the right hand of God. 
And that up in the heavenlies, in the spiritual realm, we are right, we are good, we have connection with the Heavenly Father, we have communion with Him, and we can speak to Him, and we can talk to Him, and we can pray to Him. And God says, I want you to speak to me, I want you to speak to me so that things down here in the visible world, I can change or alter or make a difference in the visible world. But it depends upon you and I getting up into the spiritual realm. Are you with me this morning? If you're not with me this morning, say, Pastor, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's a spiritual world, and it's a physical world as well. Well, let's keep reading our story, because here's the reality. Look at verse number 12. But Moses' hands were what? What's that word? They were heavy. I want you to write this down when it comes to battles. Spiritual battles are tiring. Spiritual battles are tiring. You can be in a battle and it can make you tired. We see that here in verse, uh, verse number 12. It says, Moses' hands were heavy. Why are they heavy? He's holding up the staff. Now, as the battle went on, did that staff get heavier? No, the staff was the same weight, but as the battle went on and on and on and on, Moses got tired. Anybody in this room tired from the battles in your own life? You're just tired. Jody, I thought it was a great song, His Eyes on the Sparrow. That is perfect. It's perfect. Because you get, you get tired. And here's what happens when we get tired. We get tired, and when we get tired, we, we stop reading God's Word. We stop praying. We stop interacting with people, and we just get dog-tired. Because it, spiritual battles are hard. I don't like to fight. Anybody here like to fight? I, I don't like that. But when you fight, you just get tired. Do you think God has a plan for us when we get tired? Well, let's look at our text. He shows us what he does for us when we get tired. Verse 12, Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone, they being Aaron and Hur, and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. Do you get the picture? Do you see what's going on here? We're in a battle. Moses is in a battle. He's tired. But he has two friends with him, Aaron and her, who have come along beside him, and they see something in their friend. They see that Moses is tired, and so they come up with a plan. They come up with a plan to put a stone underneath him so he can sit down, and they set up a plan where they're going to hold up one arm on each side, and they come up with a plan. I want you to write this down. Spiritual battles require friends who believe in the same God. You and I need friends who believe in the same God as we do. Listen, we, we live in a spiritual world, but not everybody believes in the same God, right? You don't want friends in battle with you who do not believe in the same God as you. You don't want that. But you want somebody who comes along beside you who will lift you up when you are tired. Uh, th this is a picture of the church right here. This is, this is a beautiful picture 
of, of, of God's creation, the church, because here in the church, this is where you're gonna find your Aaron and your hers. When your life makes you tired, you need somebody to come along beside you to help you um, keep going on. Or, or you can come along beside somebody and lift up their hands so that they don't throw in the towel. This is what I call piggybacking on somebody's faith. But here's, here's what I've seen in ministry though. Here's what I've seen in ministry, 25 years or so in the ministry. That many people in the body of Christ refuse to accept um, any assistance from somebody else. I see this a lot. As a pastor, I deal with a lot of, of hurt. It's just part of it. A lot of pain, a lot of battles. But I've seen a lot of people refuse assistance from fellow believers because they're too proud to accept help. It goes something like this. If I've seen this once, I've seen it hundreds of times. Where somebody will have a difficult problem, situation, somebody who wants to be an Aaron and her comes along beside them and say, hey, here, how, here's, can I help you? I want to help you out. And that other person will say something along this, no, 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 I don't need you help. Go help somebody else who really needs help. If I've heard that once, I've heard it hundreds of times. Folks, can I, can I just tell you something? When your brother and sister in Christ comes to help you, you let them help you. You don't refuse their help. Because that person who's helping you just maybe they've been called by the Lord, sent by the Lord to help you up, and that's a great blessing to them. Listen, when you refuse something, some help from a fellow believer, here's what happens. You shut down the blessings. And you shut down what the church is called to be which is a support system, which is to help one another. Folks, we all need Aaron and hers in our lives. Amen? Because everybody gets tired. Everybody needs friends in the ministry. Everybody needs a Woody the Cowboy and Buzz Lightyear. You gotta. Okay, y'all are asleep. Fantastic. Listen to this. Proverbs 27 says this. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Solomon said this, two are better than one. When one falls, the other can pick them up. When it comes to battles, we need each other. We need to hold each other up, and we need to keep others', others uh, eyes focused on Christ. Well, let's finish the story. Look at verse 13. Verse number 13 says this, so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Verse 14, then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial and recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Why do you think God wanted them to write this down? Because you forget, you forget, write things down, write down all the victories that you go through. Then look at number 15, verse 15, and Moses built an altar and he named it, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. The Lord is my banner. And we come to know God this way when we go through our battles, when we go through our difficulties. 
when we go down to the valley, when we go up to the mountaintop, when Aaron and her hold up our hands, this is when we learn God is Jehovah Nisi, God is my banner. I saw a movie several years ago that caused me to think about Jehovah Nisi, our uh, banner. It was the movie Inception. I do not recommend it, it's a horrible movie. But it's a great illustration. Because in this movie, the main characters can enter into people's dreams. In fact, they could enter into a dream of a dream. And really, they could enter into a dream of a dream of a dream of a dream. Anybody confused? That was me during the whole movie. Confused. But here's what was interesting in that movie. The characters would get confused as well, whether or not they were in reality or whether they were in a dream. And so what they needed was they needed a standard to let them know if they were in reality or if they were in a dream. So the main character had a pole. He had a pole, and he had a spinning top on the pole. And whenever he, wherever he was going, he would spin the top. And if it continued to spin, he was in a dream. But if it stopped, that means he was in reality. But wherever he went, he always looked at that pole, that standard, that banner. And folks, here's the reality. Many times in life, we can get confused, right? Like many of you are this morning. We can get confused. We don't know what's up. We don't know what's down. We don't know what's left, and we don't know what's right. So here's what we need in our life. We need a standard. We need a banner. We need a banner that says, this is what's reality. This is not a dream. This is the truth. This is the way, and this is the life. And our banner's name is Jesus Christ Jehovah Nisi. We need that banner in our lives because, folks, we're living in a world that says you can make up your, your standard, you can make up your truth, you can make up whatever you want, but folks, we have the truth, and that needs to be our banner, and our banner's name is Jehovah, Jehovah Nisi. How many of y'all remember a story in Numbers chapter 21? In Numbers chapter 21, um, Moses and the Israelites, again, they're still in the desert, um, the Israelites disobey God, and there are some physical consequences. Do you remember what he sent their way? Say poisonous snakes. Okay, y'all still with me? I've got 35 more minutes. Hang in there. Hang in there. It's going to get better. I promise you, it's going to get better. So all these snakes. And God says, Moses, Moses, I want you to build a banner, a standard. And I want you to make a bronze serpent. Remember this? I want you to make this bronze serpent, and then I want you to tell the Israelites that once you, Moses, raise up the bronze serpent, you tell the Israelites that they are to look up. And once they look up, they will be healed. But tell them, if you don't look up, you will not be healed. No matter what you do, no matter what you try, no matter what you think, you will not be healed. Moses does all this. He makes this bronze serpent, and he holds it up, and he tells them, you look up to this standard. 
And when you look up to the standard, then and only then will you be saved. Folks, Jesus Christ is our standard. He's the one you must look up to in order to be saved. He's the one that you must look up to in order to get out of your battles or to fight your battles or to persevere through your battles. But here, listen, you must look up to Jehovah Nisi. You're in a battle. It's part of life. But look up. Look up and see the one who has already given you the victory. Because Jehovah Nisi is the victorious King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? How many of you, and then I'm done, how many of you uh, like wrestling? Okay, three of you. So the three of you will get this illustration. Okay? I'm going to be a, a spoiler here about wrestling. Two things. You ready? It's not real. Two, hang on to your seats. Two, the fight, whoever wins, has already been decided before they go into the ring. Do you know that? It's scripted. So whenever the wrestlers go into the ring, they're not fighting for victory. They're already fighting from victory. Church, as believers in Jesus Christ, in your battles, you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. You already have the victory. Why? Because of Jehovah Nisi. He is our banner. He is our standard. He is the one who declares, I am the victorious king who oversees you during the battles, and I have defeated Satan. I have defeated death, and I am the victorious one. And if you look up unto me, you are the victorious one as well. So church, you are victorious. Now today, you go walk in victory. Amen? Jehovah Nisi. Won't you pray with me, please? Father, we come before you today. And God, I'm thankful that you are our victorious king, our Jehovah Nisi. God is my banner. Father, I pray now that there are, for these in this room, those who are watching online, there are many people who are struggling with battles difficulties, and they may be tired. I pray, Father, that you provide an Aaron and a Her for them to lift up their hands. I pray that they would continue to fight in the valley, do all the things that you have commanded, but may they keep their eyes focused on you. And Father, I pray that you'll see them through, and may they be reminded of the song that we sung this morning, that your eye is on the sparrow. You watch over us. We're thankful for that. And Father, for those who maybe just come out of a battle, may we be an Aaron and a herd to somebody else, to lift them up, to lift high the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that we would come through all of these battles victorious and that we would proudly wave the banner of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand.